0: Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only polite. We talk to women and hear the stories behind how they have built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. I'm Emily Lasser, and on this show, we're interviewing Jessica Murnane, author of One Part Plant. On this episode, Jessica talks about the journey of getting published, which includes how she had an agent, how she ultimately was published, and how she manages her finances on an author's salary.
1: Thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us today. Mm-hmm. You, I so enjoyed our pre-call. We asked Jessica to be a part of this today because she's an author. And a lot of people have desires and dreams to be published. And that publishing journey is a unique journey in and of itself. And so the reason when we launch in these different cities today, we're live in Charleston. And when we launch a city, <coughs> what we do or what we try to do is we like to highlight the women in these cities that are doing something really interesting and so we're so glad that we were connected with Jessica and that she could uh, just tell us about this publishing journey. because we learn the best when we're learning something new and interesting together so with that being said if you'll just share your story with us we would be so grateful
2: yeah i mean i feel like i when people all the time ask me how to get an agent how to get a book deal so I can you hear, I feel like I'm hearing feedback here, but I have my phone turned down all the way.
1: Okay. Here. How about now? We can't hear feedback on our end. Oh,
2: okay. I can still hear me. It's okay. As long as I can just still hear me and my phone is down all the way. Oh, shoot. Okay. Whatever. If you can't hear it. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I think that the interesting thing about getting a book deal is, is that, publishers, maybe except for one or two, will not actually look at your proposal unless you have an agent. So it's one of those tricky things where do you try to get an agent first, do you try to write a proposal first, but if you're writing a non-fiction book, if you're writing a cookbook, if you're writing anything that is not a fiction book, you're most likely, unless you're self-publishing, you're going to need an agent. And people always ask me, well, then how do you find an agent? And I think one of the best ways to find an agent is to actually go to books that are in the genre of books that you want to publish and go flip to the acknowledgements. And everyone always th- thanks their agent in the acknowledgements. So that's actually how, when in my first book, Lena Dunham wrote the foreword and the way that I found her manager and agent is I went to her book and I flipped through the acknowledgments and I found her content, her her manager there. So I think that's a great way to get an agent. And then in terms of writing in the proposal, sorry, this like being able to hear myself is driving me crazy. Hold on.
1: We want to go, we'll just take it off live. There is a link in the bio where you can get the Zoom link. So we'll put that up and the okay. Zoom- to be the preferable connection today so okay great (laughs) yeah i know it's 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 too hard to do two things i know okay
2: okay um does that help Yes. Oh my gosh. Cause I was just hearing myself and not being able to focus on you. I was you.
0: watching you do that. and It is so hard. These live interviews It's so hard. If there's any kind of distraction, it's like, wait, what, what am I saying? Again? Okay. I feel
2: free again to actually speak like myself. Okay. So
0: okay, Jessica, I want to say like, one of the things you were, you were saying is like, you know, sometimes like being your own advocate is not super complicated. It is as simple as saying, all right, what books do I love? What books are talking about? Like what I'm talking about are in the same genre. And then, yeah. Just like looking in the back and saying, okay, like here's a list of people that I can contact. And, you know, I I think like coming into an industry like this as an author where there's not a whole lot of transparency, sometimes you think it's super complicated. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just like getting in there and doing your research. You know, and it's simple as looking for your book. So I love that. I think that's just a great point
2: yeah and i think you know i think the self publishing world is amazing but i think that for myself i knew that i kind of wanted to work with maybe a top 5 publisher which are penguin harper collins and so i wanted to do it that way and i think you know so much of writing a book too is just what is the hook and i think that a lot of times when you write a proposal one of the things that you have to write in the proposal is what are your what are the competitive titles and so you think well, I don't want to choose titles that maybe are going to be a direct competition to my book, but that's actually what you want to do. You want to show the publisher there are there is a demand for this topic, but how can my book be different? So I know when I was writing my cookbook in my proposal, I listed some of the top plant-based cookbooks to show there is a demand for this type of book but here is how my book is going to be different because i think you know right now there's so many books people are putting out so much content so it's like what is your hook how are you going to make this different and so when you write a book proposal and you can find you know the basic format of it online it's really the same for everyone it's truly a, a business proposal and most of the people that are here understand writing a business proposal or at least what Goes into it because I think a lot of us don't actually write them anymore. But I think that um, you know you want to look at what is the outline, who is your market, who is your audience, who are you, how are you going to sell the book? Because I think what people don't realize is is that as an author, you are selling your book. Like as much as I would love to say that back in the day when publishers paid for these huge book tours and booked you on all these shows, it's on your shoulders really to do that work. So how are you going to sell the book? And they really look for that. Like, do you have a podcast? Do you have a newsletter? And I have so many people that come to me that say, well, I really want to write a book. And then when I look for them online, they're, they don't exist. And I don't think that means that you have to have 100,000 Instagram followers, but could you pitch yourself to write some articles online about the topic that you want to write about for your book? So you can at least show that you have some sort of credentials in this topic. So I think, you know, I, I think in the publishing world, there's a lot of people that say that you have to have a certain amount of Instagram followers. You have to have this. I'm in the camp of, if you have an amazing idea and you have some type of platform to show how passionate you are, I think that you can make it happen.
0: Yeah. And so Jessica, at this point in the process, most of them, people have not written their book yet. They just have an idea. Yeah.
2: And don't write your book. Don't write the whole thing.
0: Oh, okay, wait, Tell us more about that. So yeah. So (laughs) don't worry, I haven't written mine yet. Okay.
2: (laughs) So I think again, so many people come to me and they're like, well, I'm about to write my book. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you're writing a nonfiction book, so let's take fiction out of this, right? Because that usually you want to write your whole book. You really wanna write that proposal first, because that is going to be what sells your book to a publisher. Publishers are not going to accept your full-blown manuscript because they want to have a little bit of input in that too. So you want to write your proposal before you write the whole book. And what's great about an agent is they're going to help you sort of fine tune that proposal and fine tune your idea because they know what's popular in the market and they know what editors are looking for. So I know with my books, my agent always tells me, you need to brag more about yourself And with my last book that I put out, I was getting a little bit too what I thought I wanted the editor to see. She's like, no. She's like, go back. You're cool. This needs to be cooler. So it's your agent can kind of help you craft it too. So don't write the full book unless you want to self-publish.
0: Great great advice. And you know, people don't know. I mean, you know, we don't (laughs) know who you ask. And that's why it's so helpful to hear you know, your thoughts on this, because I do think also, you know, over the last year with COVID and which will probably continue on for a little while longer, you know, we've all had a little bit of downtime to like, mm-hmm. through you know, different avenues that we want to explore. And a lot of, for a lot of people, it's writing books. And I think this is really helpful because in my mind, I should have had it written before I ever went to. No,
2: don't do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's, that's good. That is like the tip of the day because yeah. we did not know that. I mean, we really didn't.
2: So, thank you. Um, and, and I think I'm so excited to tell you guys this because I don't think people know this. So, after you finish your proposal, your agent is like, great, this is ready to put out. He or she will take it out to maybe the top 10, 20 editors that they think would be a good fit for your book. If those editors, want to pursue it more, then you will have meetings with each one of those editors. So my first book, I actually went to New York. I did all the in-person meetings for my second book. They were all over phone calls. And then if people are interested in you from those meetings, let's say you have three or four editors interested, then your book goes to auction. And what happens is, is it's kind of like an auction where people bid on your book and then this is kind of the shady part, but the top bidders will go to the top, but they don't know if they are actually the top bid. So the agent will say the top bid is hundred thousand dollars, but they don't know that if they're the top bid or if somebody else also bid a hundred thousand dollars. So then ultimately at the end, someone could say, okay, wealth edit book, we're going to give you $150,000 for your book but maybe you didn't love that editor as much as the editor that offered $80,000. You can also choose which editor you want to go with too.
1: Interesting. Yeah. What on a scale of 1 to 10, how great of a writer do you have to This is going to sound <laughs> good, I, I think that you know what we realize on the wealth of it is there's a lot of women who are like I have this idea but it's like a confidence thing, you know? I mean it mm-hmm. really is. And I'd say 90% of the time at least through the lens that we're looking, which is like, hey, we want women to talk about money, be good with money, all the things. You know, what if you have an idea, but you're like, oh, I don't feel strong as a writer. I've never thought of myself as a writer, you know, but you have a great idea, have a great point of view.
2: Well, here's another uh, shocker for you all. Most, a lot, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of authors do not write their books. So So I- so I once moderated a panel at South by Southwest, and there were four doctors on the panel. I was the moderator. Not one of those author, not one of those author doctors actually wrote their book. Yeah. Somebody else wrote their book. So you can pay a ghostwriter, you can pay a contributor. You if you have an amazing idea and you're able to get a big enough advance where you can bring someone else in. And when I say they didn't write their book, you know, they definitely, it was their ideas. Right. Right. But you can definitely hire someone like one of my friends, Rachel Holtzman, who is an incredible writer. She actually writes other people's books for them. So if you look on her website, you can see like, she wrote Kate Hudson's book. She wrote Tiffany Amber Thiessen's book, and these are their ideas, but she's able to get it onto the page for them.
0: Yes. That's really helpful to know. Yeah. I think it is oftentimes we have something we want to say. And I was actually having a conversation with a sweet cousin who loves to write. And so she was like, I want to write a book.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we were kind of like thinking through all these things. And she said, but do I have to write the entire thing? Or can I, and it, it you know, so I think we, a lot of people are wondering this. And yeah. so, all right, so here we, let's say you you choose your editor mm-hmm. and they're going to give you $100,000 for your book. What
2: mm-hmm. does that
0: mean? Like, how do you get the $100,000 and when do you
2: get it? Okay. And and I will say that most people are not getting $100,000. I just talked to one of my friends yesterday who I think has the most beautiful book that was put out last year. She got paid $17,000. So, so advances aren't exactly as high a lot of times as you think, especially for first-time authors. And her and I were talking, her book was four color, beautifully shot, And she had to pay all of that out of pocket. So $17,000 doesn't go very far for a cookbook, especially when it's broken up into four checks. So usually with advances, you get a check upon signing the deal. You get a check when you deliver the book, you get a check when it comes out. And a lot of times you can get a check when it's been out for a year. My first book, I got four checks. My My second book, I got three checks. And, you know, a book writing process can take between nine months to two years. So if you think about it, let's say you got $50,000 that is spread out over a year and a half. It's, you know, and I think that's the thing with book writing is I think people see people on Instagram. I think that they're excited because they see that they're doing all these things are on a book tour, but that $50,000 is not paying the bills for two years. Mm -hmm.
0: So then what
1: do you do? Like tell us about your (laughs) because I'm sure that you learned the school of hard knocks, like we're learning over here about yeah. So um yeah, tell us how you how you came through this.
2: Well, I mean, I know for my first book, I my photo shoot for the book for the cookbook was forty thousand dollars. And that came out of my advance. So when I owed that forty thousand dollars to photographer, I had only gotten a $25,000 check. So I didn't have the money to do that. I actually had to borrow money to pay that photographer. So while I was writing my book, I was doing partnerships with different brands. I was doing side hustling. I was doing podcast hosting. So I think that for a lot of authors, they can't live off of just their advance. Yeah. So you kind of have to do a couple of different things and you know that's not to say i mean there are people that are getting big deals that are able to live on that while they write but not that's that's pretty rare these days yeah
0: well so tell me what other expenses are there in publishing a book that you had to pay for outside of the photographer
2: yeah so for my cookbook it was you know photographer styling food Like, you have to think about, like, you have to pay for all the food for the recipe testing. And when when you're recipe testing, especially a cookbook, because the internet will destroy you if a recipe does not work out, you want to make sure that it does work out. So, you know, I had a lot of different recipe testers and that's something that you can pay for. I chose to go to my community and say, Hey, could you guys test these recipes? So I had about 70 recipe testers which was a whole other organization thing. So you can definitely pay a recipe tester for my latest book, because there's no photography. The only expense that I had was I did pay a contributor that I used a lot of her time. And so that was something that I offered to her, but with this book, it was just my time.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And so tell us what you would Say to someone. I mean, because that's what we see. It's, so this is very similar to when someone has like a sudden wealth event. That might be you get an inheritance. That might be you are going through divorce. You know, mm-hmm, so all mm-hmm. sudden, like maybe you're not used to dealing with household finances, and you have to figure out what is what is my monthly spend. What is all that going to be? Yeah, it has to last longer than what you might think it does. I mean, that's sort of what, that's a very similar story to what you're telling here is like you get a a nice amount of money, but then after that, you have the expenses that go along with the book. Like uh, That that money Mm. has to stretch and be allocated in different ways in Mm. order for it to be the most successful. And in this case, for you to sell the most books, which you're right, you are the person that's going to sell them, you know, the publisher is going to move on and move to other areas. So like, tell us kind of about that. How did you, how did you learn to allocate that way or, or think through it?
2: Well, I mean, it was definitely a learning process. I mean, I was just that friend that I was talking to about her cookbook expenses. It was like, when I was testing recipes for my cook first cookbook, it wasn't until the end of the book that I realized, okay, so if I'm making a sweet potato recipe, I should probably make all of the recipes that have sweet potatoes on the same day, because that could save some money. But I didn't really think about that. (laughs) It's kind of like, so, you know, and with this book, just because we're being so honest and open, my last advance check will be coming April 30th. I don't know what that next check is after that check. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I think that's something as an author, like you really have to think about, does that mean that I need to hustle and get another book deal? Does that mean that I need to go back to podcast coaching? So I think that for me, I'm a money hoarder because I'm sometimes afraid of not knowing where that next check is gonna come from. But I think as an author, you really have to think about, so I got a $20,000 chunk what happens when taxes come? Yeah. I need to really put some of that aside to make sure that I'm not spending it all and being like, oh, I'm an author, I got this huge advance check. So right. I think you need to plan for taxes and I think you need to plan for what happens after your last advance check?
0: Yeah. That's a good and, and what does happen? I mean are you negotiating um, on the front end like what happens once your advances have you've gone through that whole cycle and now you're just selling your book? how do you negotiate for that after?
2: So it's, it's definitely in your contract. It's, it's kind of a confusing phrase. It's called selling back your advance. So people are paying back your advance. So people think that you're actually like paying that back, but all it means is, is that whatever your advance was, you sold that many books, but that's at a very low rate. So it's not, you know, my new, my new book is $20. I'm not paying back my advance at $20 per book. It's a much, lower fee. So after you pay back all that you have sold, which again, if you're getting a big advance, a lot of times people never pay back their advance. Then you start getting royalties on each book. So I have a friend that has a cookbook that's been out for three or four years, and she's now getting royalties on the book. It's not, you know, a huge amount of money, but she's also like, it's kind of nice to get checks in the mail unexpected. <laughs> you know? But, but I think that's the other thing is I think people think like, you know, I'm busting my ass right now to get on podcasts and to do interviews and do all the stuff for my book, but I'm not making more money from doing that. Like ultimately I'll pay back my advance, but that's just me personally wanting this book to be successful. So, you know, it's funny. One of my friends that's an author said, people are like, well, you're just trying to sell books and you're trying to do it. She's like, yeah, I am because I want to help people. I'm not getting more money by being on all these podcasts.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, so speaking of and shifting gears just a little bit, tell us about
2: your new book. Oh, okay. (laughs) So my new book is called Know Your Endo. And because this is such a women focused thing that you guys do. One in 10 women have endometriosis and it takes an average of 10 years to be diagnosed. So this book is truly really trying to break through the misinformation and help people get diagnosed sooner and also not feel so alone in their diagnosis because, you know, the BBC did a study that showed that out of 13 and a half thousand people with endo, nearly half of them were suicidal. So this is not just a physical condition it is a full body mental condition so it's this book is so important to me and I mean I loved writing a cookbook but this one just feels like a love letter to everyone that's ever felt alone
0: yeah that is amazing so what what is the the main focus of the book is it do you go into the actual like yeah the And Here,
2: I brought it to show just in case. It's it's, <laughs> I just got final uh, copies. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the first half of the book really dives into what endometriosis is. I mean, there's doctors still telling women to get pregnant as a treatment. That is not a treatment for endometriosis. It's 2021. We should not be told that anymore. So the first half goes into the misinformation. And then the second half are management tools stress management, movement, food, because there is no cure for endo and we cannot stop it from growing, but we can at least do our best to try to manage it. And I mean, it took me a very long time to learn how to do that, but I am sitting upright in this chair because of the tools that I use.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I mean, I actually struggled with that when I had, have- oh, Yeah. So I have two girls now, 16 and 14, but it was a long road to getting there. And, um, and there, you know, 16 years ago, even there was, there was not a whole lot of information and it was the same thing. Everybody said, Oh, well, when you finally get pregnant, it's going to get so much better. And, but I also had a group of women that were walking alongside me that Mm -hmm. real friendships that developed just simply by going through it together. And,
2: and what a gift to your daughters too, because, you know, and I'd love to send you a book so you can kind of be ready for them because it's just, you know, so many of us, our moms are our period role models, right? Like my mom for sure had endo undiagnosed. I thought it was normal to bleed through your pants. I thought it was normal to black out from your period. So that's what, you know, so it's kind of cool. Now, you know, better, and you're going to be able to teach your daughters better too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can 100% relate to that. And, you know, now though, you know, going and talking to the gynecologist about your daughter, there's so much more understanding because I'm like, hey, I've done this and I know mm-hmm. this is right. And they're like, you're absolutely right. We've come too far, medically speaking, to let that go on. And that was such a relief to me, you know, having these teenage daughters and one that mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain. That's exactly what's going on. And yeah, wow. The doctors now are responding so much differently than they have in the past.
2: Well, I think that they're probably responding different because you're walking in and advocating for yourself. Yeah, Like you're saying, no, 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 no. This is how it is because a lot of people don't have the confidence to do that. And that's another thing that I want my book to do is give people more confidence with that power dynamic with their doctor because you can say no and you can say this is what I think I have and not be dismissed.
1: Right.
0: Absolutely. And another thing that we've seen is like diet really. has, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's with, with
2: you personally, has that helped you? Wow.
0: Even with my, one of my daughters. Wow. Significantly changed. Um, okay. Well
2: I'm sending you both of my books because my first book is all about how diet, you know, helped me not get a hysterectomy. So Yes
0: that's amazing
1: well yeah. thank you so much for being with us today yeah, thank for, you. Uh, we love to ask people this we've put together this amazing group of women in charleston that i'm just so happy that we get to know it's mm-hmm. it's so such an honor and so tell us why you said yes to the wealth edit. it's our favorite question
2: I said, yes. And you remember in the email I sent you, I was like, I just want to be honest about this stuff because I just, I I was hoping that you would be honest because I think what you guys are doing is just being more transparent because there's so many panels and girl boss and all these things that are like, but what is, what are your, what is your business actually doing? Like, are you actually in debt? Are you waiting for your last advance check? Are you freaked out about that? We need to just be more honest about these things. And I was glad that you were open to being honest about that.
1: That's what we see is that like I think that if we are honest with one another, and that's the kind of environment we've created through the wealth edit community, is just be honest about where you are in business. Sometimes a business can look really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. That, sometimes a woman can look really, really beautiful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we had this please go back and listen to one of our favorite. Um, guests on what we have as well, Wealth at Wednesday it was Danielle Rons, and she was talking about how her book was coming out as mm-hmm. like her marriage was falling apart. This isn't a secret. I mean, mm-hmm. she told us on her podcast, and I'd strongly encourage everyone to listen. Mm-hmm. And she said, It just, we need to be telling each other the truth, you know, mm-hmm. and like we need to be, and I think that makes all of us more relatable. And, and that's what we need more of, especially right now. So, yeah, thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank
2: this. you. Please email me your address because I'm getting you a book right away for your daughters. Oh, we
0: would love it. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. Thanks so much. All right.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.